0: Hey, welcome to The Hills. Thank you for joining us for this online worship experience. If you're a part of The Hills family, it has already been an exciting morning. Aren't you pumped about the news we announced regarding Southlake and the new campus? Mm -hmm. It is going to be such a tremendous opportunity to see God work in new and powerful ways. Ways that we did not expect when we began the Courage campaign. So I'm so excited about that. I'm also excited that September 13th is our reopening of our campuses for live, in-person worship. Now, I know some of you can't wait. Some of you can. That's okay. Wherever you are, we're ready for you. So we have a lot to be excited about. God continues, even during a pandemic, to move to bless our church and to encourage us. And I hope one thing that has encouraged you is the series we're in right now called Pick and Choose. If you're just joining us, uh, we're talking about Marriage and God's Plan for Husbands and Wives. And you might notice I have asked a special guest to join me this week. Uh, this Hi. is the lovely Miss Jamie Ashley, And uh, when I asked her to preach with me, she said, well, I'm not an expert on marriage. I said, no, but you're an expert on me. <laughs> so thank you for joining the conversation.
1: Hey, I'm happy to. Thanks for asking me. And speaking of conversation, we are only beginning the conversation this morning. Uh, We are going to be joining Chris and Stacy Hatchett on the Hills Church website, the Facebook page. And we're going to continue the conversation, but the difference is we'll be answering your
0: questions. Yes, so here's what we want you to do. Uh, 7 o'clock Wednesday night, we'll be on Facebook Live page. You send your questions to chris.hatchett at thehills.org. I believe it's on the screen right now. Uh, We probably can't answer all of them, but we'll do the best we can, and we'll talk all things marriage, and we look forward to it. Now, as we begin today, something that we do sometimes at home that we think is kind of fun, uh, you'll know that some languages, like Spanish, for example, they gender their nouns. An inanimate object will have either a male or female ending. Now, English is not like that. But wouldn't it be cool if it was, or if we had the job of deciding Mm -hmm. Inanimate objects, are they male or female? So this is how we play the game. All right, Jamie. I'm ready. Here's a Ziploc bag. Now, male or female? Clearly, it's female, okay? Because it looks weak, but it's actually very strong and very helpful, right? Uh, You rescued yourself on that one.
1: Okay, I'm going to disagree, though. I'm going to say it's male because it tries to hold everything in but you can see
0: right through it. Okay. All right, I, I, how about this? Um, tire. Now, can't, uh, you think, hey, it's a male. No, a tire, Jamie, is female. Very, very essential. But if you don't treat it right, you're gonna have a collision, right? Female.
1: You may be in for a collision. No, it is clearly a male. It's a male because it can get overinflated and also, no matter what it looks like when you first buy it, over time, it's gonna go bald.
0: Okay, all right, I might give you that one. Oh, but now this one, you gotta agree remote control. Can we all agree? Yeah. It is male because you'll watch sports with it and it gets lost a lot, okay? No, babe,
1: it is definitely female because all men would be lost without one.
0: Okay, that's how you play the game. You want to try it home. Here's the thing, God made male and female. And God said, it's good. And I think we would agree, God was right. Male and female is good. But just because something is good, doesn't mean that it's easy.
1: That's right. Every marriage has its challenges. Every marriage has its issues, and every marriage has seasons that are harder than other seasons. But we want to take the time today to talk from a uniquely Christian perspective
0: on why this is so. Yeah, why is marriage hard? Why is it a struggle? Simple answer. You have an enemy. Mm. We have an enemy. This is a Christian perspective. Uh, We've already seen in past sermons that God has an agenda for our marriage that's bigger than our personal happiness. God wants through Christian marriage to display to the world the love of Christ for his church. That unconditional commitment in a Christian marriage is an announcement to the world of what the gospel is like. And Satan is going to do everything he can to destroy that picture.
1: That's exactly right. And contrary to what it might feel like sometimes, our enemy is not our mate. It's just like Paul says in Ephesians 6. He says, our enemies are not flesh and blood. Our enemy is the devil. So how is the enemy trying to assault every important relationship in our lives?
0: What does he do? What lies behind most struggling marriages? Here's the answer, lies. <laughs> lies lie behind most struggling marriages.
1: And you know, that's the same thing that lies behind most of our struggles with sin too. It's how, like John 8 says, when Jesus ex- is explaining the devil to the people in the crowd, he says, the devil has always hated the truth because, th- because there is no truth in him. When he lies, It's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies.
0: Now think about it. The very first marriage was attacked by the enemy. Mm -hmm. And how did he attack them? He sowed deception. He tried to get them to believe that what was not true was actually true. So why would he change his strategy when it has continued to be so effective? And why is that?
1: Well, it's because we have destructive thoughts in our heads that sound like they're our own thoughts, but they're not. They were planted there, and it's hard to recognize them. I
0: I remember a preacher one time said, has it ever crossed your mind that not every thought that crosses your mind came from you?
1: That's a good thought. It is hard to recognize them, though, and we need to train ourselves. We don't always realize the source of our thoughts. Paul explains in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, why it's so important to think about what we think about. Mm -hmm. He tells us we must take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ.
0: So just like Satan's strategy hasn't changed, he's going to attack our marriages by sowing lies in our thought life. Mm -hmm. Well, then the counter strategy doesn't change either. We must become more equipped, more effective at recognizing satanic deception. Or to put it another way, what we must do is we must learn to choose truth over myth. So here's the deal. We behave like we behave because we believe what we believe. If I believe something to be true, mm-hmm. even though it is not true, I will act like it is true, and the consequence will be destruction and toxin poured into all of my closest relationships.
1: That's exactly right. That reminds me, I was reading a book recently um, about our brains, and it says that scientists have discovered that when we repeat a thought, we create neural pathways in our brains, sort of shortcuts. And the more frequently we entertain that thought, the more automatically and the faster our brain defaults to go down that neural pathway. Well, that is great if you're thinking healthy, helpful thoughts. The problem is too often we're practicing thinking the lies. And so there are some neural pathways that each one of us needs to reroute in our brains. So we're going to spend our time this morning talking about some of those neural pathways and some of the most common ones. We obviously don't have time to talk about all the lies, but we're going to talk about some of the most common lies that Satan uses to attack our marriages. The first one, and I think it's going to reverberate with everybody, marriage just shouldn't be this hard.
0: Right. I think that's because we grew up watching all those Disney movies where everyone lives happily ever after. Well, there's a reason happily ever after is in fairy tales, because it's a fairy tale. Okay, (laughs) that is not how real life works. Marriage is hard. You say, but pastor, God brought us together. I'm a believer and they're a believer. And so, yeah, maybe your marriage was made in heaven, but it still has to be lived in a very fallen world. Yeah. This is my favorite definition of marriage. It's when one sinner unites with another sinner to produce a bunch of little sinnerlings, okay? (laughs) That's what happens. Now, think about this. You name any other important area of your life that got better without pursuit and effort and intention. Your job, your favorite hobby, your health or your fitness. What important part of your life can you be lazy and expect improvement? That's right. So why would that not be true of marriage? The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. So listen to the Hebrew writer. He says, work. Notice that word. Work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. A lot of you know a pastor in the DFW area named Matt Chandler. And when he was dating his now wife, Lauren, uh, they were living in Abilene, Texas, and he went to see his pastor, a friend of mine named David McQueen, because they were thinking about getting married, but every six weeks or so, they would seem like they would have a brush up or some kind of a conflict. And he went to David thinking, maybe I shouldn't marry Lauren because, uh, well, if we were made for each other, we wouldn't be having these fights. And he said, David gave him some good advice. He said, Matt, you're going to fight for the rest of your life with somebody. Do you want that somebody to be Lauren? Now, I don't think he was saying if you're in constant tension, you should get married. I think what he was saying is you've got to change your perspective. You're not going to find anybody to marry that you're not going to have some conflict with because marriage is hard. It is. Marriage is
1: very hard. But you know what? Divorce is harder. Ask any of our couples who've been married 30, 40 more years and they will tell you it hasn't always been easy, but it has always been worth it. Satan is always going to to try to get us to give up, but as if we don't, we're building a holy history with each other, a holy history that will bless us and will bless the, the people, the generations that come after us. So,
0: some of you are thinking, "Well, that makes sense." Okay, I know marriage. No matter who I marry, is going to have some conflict and some struggle. It's going to be hard. But you don't understand, Pastor. The reason my marriage is hard here's second lie. I just married the wrong person. Okay, I just made a mistake. I I just shouldn't. If I had just married somebody else, Mm -hmm. right? It's like the story of the young uh, man who comes to his pastor, uh, who had done his wedding six weeks earlier, and said, "Pastor, I want out of my marriage." What you said you would take her for better or for worse. He said, yeah, but she's worse than I took her for. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, that is awful. But, <laughs> but there is a certain amount of deception in dating, isn't there? Uh-huh. I present the best side of my personality to him, and I see the best side of his personality when I look at him. And then you get married. And you see who you really are. And the challenge of marriage is not to enjoy the person you thought you were marrying. Mm
0: -mm.
1: The challenge of marriage is to learn to celebrate and love the person you did marry.
0: The person that often seems like a stranger that Mm. you need to get to know in a new and wonderful way. So here's the thing. If incompatibility was grounds for divorce, I wouldn't tell anybody to get married. Because we are all wonderfully different. And we bring those differences into every single marriage. For example, we bring family of origin differences Mm -hmm. into our family. We weren't raised by the same people in the same ways. Uh, My family is much more reserved. Your family was much more verbally affectionate, right? That's
1: exactly right. Your family is so organized and scheduled and my family doesn't even know what a schedule looks like.
0: Okay, so our family's trained us to think of and think about life differently, mm-hmm. and then we have different personalities and different temperaments. That, that's not a bad thing. That's just the reality. I'm more introverted. You're mm-hmm. more extroverted.
1: Yeah. Emotionally, you're like this, and I'm like, woohoo, you know, (laughs) who knows where we'll end up.
0: Uh, If you're into the Enneagram, I I would be a five and and Jamie would be a one. We learned the very first year we were married that I'm a mourning person.
1: And I'm a person who is annoyed by mourning people.
0: (laughs) Okay. And so we have different families. We have different personalities. And here's something that we didn't always know when we got married. We have different pasts, and we bring from our past baggage into our marriage.
1: And, you know, we spent the first few years of our marriage trying to do well, but inadvertently just poking places that got a huge reaction from the other person because we had accidentally poked a wound. And sometimes it was a wound that the other person didn't even know they had until we poked it.
0: So you have different family backgrounds. You have different temperaments. You have baggage from your past, some that you're aware of, some you're not even aware of that you bring into the marriage. Now, on top of all that, <laughs> you also each have a sin nature. Okay. Yes. And so we just need to accept upfront when we get married, we are wonderfully different yes. people.
1: That's exactly right. And marriage is God's classroom to teach us how to love the difference I like the way the message puts Colossians 3, 14. It says, regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it.
0: There is no perfect mate out there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, And that's one reason perhaps why the divorce rates for subsequent marriages is much higher than for the original Marriage, Because people bought this lie, well, I just made the wrong choice. I'll find the right choice next time. Yes. That's just not true. Every marriage is made up of two people on whom God is working. And compatibility is that mutual decision we make. Mm-hmm. We are going to cooperate with God in what He's doing in the life of the person that we married. I love how Billy Graham put it. He was asked one time the key to his over 50-year marriage with Ruth and he replied we are happily incompatible. <laughs> <laughs> but now we want to get into a I think a really really toxic lie that comes up a lot. When people are in conflict and their marriage needs to move and it's not moving to a great direction one of the reasons is because you hear this thought in your brain I'm not the one with the problem. Mm-hmm.
1: And we want to stop here and just give a little disclaimer for a moment, because what we're about to say is true for most marriages. But if you are in a marriage where your spouse is a serial adulterer, affair after affair after affair, or where your spouse has an addiction problem and refuses to get the help that he or she needs to overcome that problem, or where your spouse is either abusing you or abusing your children, we want you to know that what we're about to talk about doesn't apply to you. In your case, your spouse is the problem, and you don't own the guilt of the problem that they brought into the marriage. The, that doesn't mean you don't have some things to work on in your life, but it means that until they start working on that boulder-sized problem that they're bringing to the marriage— you working on the little pebbles that you brought are not gonna be enough to have a healthy relationship.
0: That's a really, really important word. There are times when you could look at a failing marriage and say, one person is the problem. But most of the time, when a marriage is in struggle, Both partners have stuff they need to own. Uh, There's a well-known family therapist named Dr. Mark Harpel, and he says most couples wouldn't need counseling if they would just ask this one question every day. What is it like to be married to me? Mm -hmm. See, here's the thing. Your spouse does need to make some changes. You know what? You need to make some changes. We all need to make some changes. And God is working on all of us to make some changes until Jesus comes back.
1: That's exactly right. Um, Our marriage changed when a sweet friend of mine taught me the following sentence. Are you ready? I am not my husband's Holy Spirit. I'm not my husband's Holy Spirit. God already has someone doing that job. And that means it's not my job to convict Rick of his sins. It's the same idea that Peter was talking about in 1 Peter 3, when he encourages women to give up control. He says, you're not going to nag your spouse into changing, but you can influence your spouse by living a holy, spiritual life in front of them. So the things, two things that I'd like to encourage each one of us to do. Number one, give up control. That's an illusion anyway. Give up control and pursue influence. And number two, be the healthiest person you can be.
0: And that's so important. Some of you are owning responsibility that is not yours to own. What you can own is responsibility for your own growth. That's right. You can take steps that would improve your marriage even if your spouse is not taking any from your viewpoint. Okay, uh, The scripture says in 2 Peter 3 you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You need to own responsibility for your growth as someone who's being shaped into the image of Christ. Now here's the thing if you are not growing in grace, there is a particularly toxic lie the enemy will sow to destroy your marriage. And it's simply this, if he or she loved me, they would not. And you fill in the blank. Yeah. If they really loved me, there's no way they would ever hurt me. You know, I do a lot of weddings, and I think sometimes I need to write into the vows, I promise to hurt you, okay? (laughs) Instead of for better or worse, we ought to just say for better and for worse. It is simply unrealistic to believe two sinners can live together and never hurt one another. And here's what happens. Because the hurt is real, and because it came from the person that's supposed to love you better than anyone else, it is so easy to begin to legitimize the anger and the bitterness and the mistrust that you feel. And that's one reason why we started this series with a single choice. You must choose die over my. Yeah. You must die to self and take up your cross. We must take our hurt to the cross of Jesus instead of getting cross every time we get hurt. Listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. Get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior instead be kind to each other tender hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you
1: that's so good that's so good and you know i think this may be the most important part of of marriage where taking your thoughts captive is a blessing. Because each one of us in a relationship, each one of us has what we experience. And then we have the way we explain that experience. And so many times, the devil is right there to help you put a negative spin on how you explain the experience. For example, when Rick and I were you know in that young children stage mm. of marriage our early 30s and um, that's just a, a hard time it's a rich time it's a sweet time but it's a stressful time too mm-hmm. the kids can can demand a lot of you Rick was at that stage of his career where you know he was feeling pressure to prove that he was up to the job and it's just a perfect recipe for misunderstandings now I ought to point out you may not know this, but my husband has what we call the spiritual gift of focus. He is one focused man. And when he is focused, he's what we call it being in Rick zone. He is living with his thoughts. He does not see anything else. Nothing else exists. And so on this particular moment, morning, Rick was in Rick zone. And as I 'm getting ready getting the kids all ready for the morning and everything, I turn around to say something to Rick, and he he's gone. He is gone. He has gone to work, and never even said goodbye to any of us. you know now, if I had been healthy at that point, I probably would have laughed about it and not thought about it again. but as it was, I was not very healthy and Satan was right there to speak into my experience. And the first thing he said was, you see, he doesn't really love you anymore. He just takes you for granted. All he cares about is that job. And y'all, at that point in my life, I did not have the spiritual resources or understanding to know I should be guarding those thoughts. I should be guarding against them. And so all day long, Rick and I were having the biggest argument. It was ridiculous, and I was making such great points. Of course, now he didn't know about it because he was at work. (laughs) So I ruined my day. I ruined my kid's day because I was in a bad mood. And when Rick got home, I ruined Rick's evening. Okay? And it's all because I did not know to capture those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. That's why it's so important. Now, let's fast forward a few years. Just a little while, just probably two or three years ago, in fact, Rick and I got to meet for lunch one day, which is kind of an unusual treat, and it was wonderful. We had the best time. We had all kinds of things to talk about, but it, lunch was winding down. It was about time to get back to work. And I turned to get something out of my purse, and I looked back at the booth, and there was no one across the table from me. I, I looked all over the, he's gone, he is gone. And I just, I just laughed to myself and thought, well, he's in Rick Zone, but we had a great time. And as I got up and walked to the car, I just thanked God because of course I remembered the first day, you know, and I was like, Lord, you know, this is all because of you. It's because of you that I'm laughing instead of being angry and hurt and got in my car and started driving home. And all of a sudden my car phone, now that, that ages me, doesn't it? My cell phone, um, uh, my cell phone rang and it was Rick. And I was like, He's, he just realized what he did and he's calling to apologize. So I, hey, Rick. And he goes, Jane, where are you? And I said, I'm going home. I know, I know you forgot. I forgot, to, you forgot to say goodbye, but it's okay. He goes, Jamie, I just went to the bathroom. <laughs> so now, now we kind of have a joke when we go out to eat. If Rick has to get up, he goes, hey, babe, I'm just going to the bathroom. Don't leave.
0: (laughs) But here's what I love about that story, okay? She has learned to capture thoughts and believe the best about me. And I want to do the same for you. You know, the Bible says that God made man out of the dust of the ground, which means Men are clods, okay? We're, we're just basically clods. And I love it when she has to put something in that gap between what happened and how she's going to interpret it. And she chooses to believe the best about me, that I wasn't trying to hurt her. Yeah. Um, love always comes up with the most generous explanation. This reminds me, Bob Goff at our men's conference years ago told the story. He always wants to give people the benefit of the doubt. So he's looking down as he speaks and there's a woman on the front row with a snake in her hair. And (laughs) Bob's thinking, what's the best spin I can put on that? And he thinks, maybe she doesn't know. Okay. (laughs) But that's what love does. As Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 13, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always Hopeful. Boy, and that leads into the last lie we'll talk about today. And it's a lie that some of you have thought recently. And we're talking to some people that are thinking this lie right now. And the lie is there's no hope for our marriage. Oh, yeah. You see, when we are in a place where our marriage is in rough place and the waters are really churning. We tend to think there's only two options here. I can continue to live in misery or I can get out of this marriage. Okay. We said we were going to bring a uniquely Christian perspective. There is a third option and the third option is resurrection. Yeah. To take our vows seriously means we are Easter people. That we believe that God can pour life into anything or anyone that seems dead.
1: That's right, Rick. You know, nobody has a perfect marriage, but we all have a perfect Savior who can do anything. Satan will always be right there whispering in your ear, it's too hard, nothing's going to change. It will always be this way because he wants you to give up. But just like Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, with God, everything is possible. If you hear the thought in your head that nothing will change, there's no hope, you know automatically that is a lie from Satan. And it's time for you to call it a lie and tell it to get out.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, in the last couple of weeks, and we started this series, I've gotten some testimonies from people across the country mm. that have been so wonderfully encouraging about marriages that were dead yeah. and through the power of the resurrected Christ, they have come back to life. And, and a lot of, you know, i this is my story. Uh, I lived a year of my life in one city with my mother. My father lived in a different town and I watched God resurrect their marriage. It lasted over 52 years. I watched it with my own eyes. I know it's possible. In fact, I'm sitting here right now. I'm your pastor today because with God, all things are possible. Now, remember, we behave like we behave because we believe what we believe. And what we have to decide if we want the marriage God wants us to have is what do we believe? Do we believe in a God? that raises the dead. There is hope yes. for your marriage. And as a church, we want to help.
1: That's right. And our church provides some wonderful resources to help and to grow our marriages. We have pastoral counseling that's offered with licensed counselors. We have support groups such as marriage reconciliation for those that are recovering from, from or, or having problems with their marriages. We have trained mediators available to step in and help you. If if your marriage is getting stuck on the same issue time and time again, we've got people that can help you get past that in a healthy way.
0: And, And you hear us talk a lot about equip classes. And so many of those classes would help you with some of the things in your marriage that might be creating conflict. For example, we offer Financial Peace University. It'll help you as a couple get on the same page about how you're going to deal with your finances. Uh, We offer a class on becoming emotionally and spiritually healthy, where you take ownership for your growth. It'll bless your marriage. Uh, We offer equip classes on that work and family tension that we all feel. Uh, And then in mid-September, Stephanie Hunter, who's one of our counselors on staff, she and her husband, Willie, are going to start an equip class specifically on building a better marriage. We really, really, really encourage you to take that step toward these resources that can bless you powerfully.
1: Hey, are you engaged? Are you thinking about getting engaged? On September 12th, we're gonna have a virtual conference for, that's called the Nearly Wed Conference. And our ministers and our counselors are going to be there hosting and helping with that. We can also get your community group set up with some resources to study marriage and family issues. All you have to do is ask any of our ministers or you can call Debbie in our pastoral care department and um, they will get you set up with the resources that you need. Don't be afraid to do the work you need to do to have a healthy marriage. It's time to water the grass on your side of the fence.
0: Jesus is the truth and the truth sets you free. And when we decide we're going to follow the words of Jesus, we become better equipped to defy the lie and experience the kind of freedom the gospel is calling us into. So uh, we're going to close and Jamie's going to lead us in prayer. And my prayer is that God will reveal to you at least one place in your life where you need to begin choosing truth over myth. Pray for us. All right.
1: Let's all be still and quiet before the Lord. Father, I thank you for the gift of relationship. I thank you that when you saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone, you created marriage. I thank you for the Holy Spirit to help us recognize the voice of truth. And we acknowledge that we have an enemy who lies, but greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. So wherever you are right now, I'm asking you to just still your heart and listen to the voice of God. Ask him, please show me the lies that I've been believing. And show me the truth that I need to begin to believe. Ask the Lord, by your strength, help me to recognize and to capture the lies that Satan whispers this week. And by your strength, Lord, help me to act and to react to the people around me like what you've shown me really is true in jesus name we're asking all of this lord
0: amen hey thank you for joining us today i hope you've been blessed and of course uh i just really do believe the single greatest thing that we can do for our marriage is surrender our lives completely to the lord jesus christ And if you've never made that decision, uh, we call you to it unapologetically. Right now, there's a number on the screen. If you'll type the word surrender, one of us will talk to you soon about the the single decision that will affect every other choice in your life in a powerful way, to surrender your life to the goodness and the grace of the Lord Jesus. So remember this Wednesday night at seven o'clock, we hope to continue the conversation. And until then, Have a really blessed week.
1: Bye-bye.